Hello, everyone, and welcome to the DNA Football Talk podcast. My name is David. I am one of the hosts. I am joined, as always, by my good friend, Anthony. Anthony, how are we doing today, sir? I'm just happy. It's another weekend of really good matchups in football, actually, compared to last week. So, Yeah, no, we actually do have a lot of good games to talk about this week. Um, We will definitely be getting into those games later on this episode, but... Let's just go ahead and let's just do it, man. It's a dark day in Tampa Bay right now. Yeah, they, they, they're they just struggling, and it, it seems to be a combination of just execution and just the coaching staff, and I know we've kind of talked about it, and it's kind of like beating a dead horse at this point, but that, that team, I, I can't even pinpoint what the problem is because they have so much talent on paper, and the team is pretty much the same as what it's been over the last couple of years outside of you know, Gronk not being there and things of that nature, but they're really just underperforming for what they have on paper. They really are. Yeah. The expectation I feel like was so high for this year, especially because Tom Brady comes out of retirement, you know, so everyone has that, that, that kind of picture in their head, like, okay, if Tom Brady is coming out of retirement, Tom Brady is coming back for one thing and one thing only, and that is to win the Super Bowl. And when Tom Brady gets focused, that's what he does, man. He he goes out and he gets focused and he accomplishes those goals nine times out of ten. Unfortunately, we're just seeing the tenth time where it just doesn't seem like it's going to happen. I don't foresee the Super Bowl in their future. And it's going to be tough to even get into the playoffs because the Falcons are looking pretty good and also – I mean, look, between the Panthers and the Falcons this weekend, this Sunday matchup, whoever wins, they will be sitting on top of the NFC South. Um, Now, granted, it's still wide open, so I understand there's still a lot of football to be played. But as of right now, I'm not seeing the Bucs winning that division. And if they don't win that division, I don't see a playoff spot being in in their grasp because the NFC East is really kind of just dominating the entire NFC conference. And so, you know, you have, you have the potential of possibly um, three teams going into the playoffs um, from one division, and it could easily be the Eagles, the Cowboys and the giants with the way that all three of those teams are playing right now. And it's crazy to think about that, that we're, we're about halfway through the season and we're talking about the the death of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady. And we're talking about the rise of the Philadelphia Eagles, the Dallas Cowboys, and the New York Giants. Those teams are really turning it around. They're playing really good football. Um, and, I mean, hats off to them. Um, but let's talk about this Thursday night game. You, you talk about, you know, you can't really pinpoint what the issue is. I think the issue is it comes down to two things, and they're in the same category. It's the run game. We cannot. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers cannot stop the run for the life of them. If you look at the if you look at the stats, Gus Edwards averaging almost six yards a carry, Kenyon Drake averaging almost nine yards a carry. Then you have Lamar Jackson, of course, he's now averaging almost five yards a carry. And even for the guys who didn't really get that many carries, they're averaging sixteen and a half yards a carry with uh, Devin Devernay. <laughs> And then Duvernay. Duvernay, and then you have Justice Hill at four carries for 28 yards. So that's seven yards a carry. I mean, you're you're getting just eaten alive, and there's no stopping the run. That game was the tale of two halves. In the first half, the Ravens schemes, 
it was it, they they were passing the ball, and then the Bucks defense was looking good. Shaq Barrett was coming alive. Now it's unfortunate news with Shaq Barrett. He has he's out for the season with the torn Achilles. Definitely, I mean that's just going to be a long road of recovery ahead for him. Uh, it's never fun to see, especially when you look at he's probably he's he's one of the top pass rushers in the league. Um, definitely. Um you know, when he's on. So that's a big loss, that defensive line that is already kind of struggling. Vita Vea doesn't have Akeem Hicks next to him. Um, and, you know, so it's just they, they can't stop the run. And then on the offensive side of the ball, they can't run the ball. You're looking at Leonard Fournette, nine carries, 24 yards. That's 2.7 yards a carry. If I'm not mistaken, they are averaging 49 yards a game. A game. They're averaging 49 yards of rushing a game. So they're leaving all of that on Tom Brady's arm. And look, Tom Brady's not looking bad. He actually set a record. I forget how many pass attempts it actually was. But for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers organization, he set a record on Thursday night for most consecutive passes without an interception. And it was up in like, I want to say it was like 319 attempts or something crazy like that. He's taking care of the ball. He's throwing it 44 times, though. 325 yards, one touchdown out of that, but no interceptions. I mean, it, it, it's just it's just hard because you're one-dimensional. You know, so it, you, you can't stop the run. You can't run the ball. When it comes down to it, that's... That's just the that's just the flow of the game. And if you look at the time of possession, you got 38 minutes of time of possession on the Baltimore Ravens side versus the 22 minutes on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers side. 38 minutes is a long time for that defense to be out there. That I, I that's just a long time. You're out there for over half of the game, you know, as far as time of possession, you get tired and especially when it's just them running the ball right down your throat just kind of having your way with you at that point. So I really think that that's going to be, I really think that that's the focal point of the, the downfall of the, of the bucks right now is that they can't stop the run. I think that um, ha not having Namakin Sue there in the middle, I, I you, Sue plugged up holes with Vita Vea. And so that was the strength of their defense, you know, and then JPP, um, you know, and Shaq Barrett off the edge just were able to get to the quarterback. They were able to just kind of put their ears back and just fly to the quarterback. And that was their defensive scheme. Now, Todd Bowles, he has a lot of creative blitz blitz packages that he does um, for that defense. And he was running, you know, some of them there early on in the game and he was having success. I mean, let's not let's not forget the Bucks looked like they were all the way back in the first half of that game. And yeah, I mean, you made pretty much every point that that everybody else saw on Thursday Night Football. And it, when you have a team that is quite literally averaging the worst rushing yards per game in NFL history, yeah, uh, th think of that in the over a hundred year um, lifespan of the of the NFL. Y'all are uh, y'all are literally the the worst. That is, y'all are not going to win football games being that bad at running the ball. That, no. that plain and simple. It's and it seems to be like the like the even the passing game is is, is suffering because the offensive line isn't pass protecting as well as they should. Now with Nick Leverett coming back in, he played he good. To, he played good. 
and Chris uh, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans they got going early. Yes, but outside of that, it's like it's like oops. you didn't even have that that much going in the in the passing game. I mean, Julio Jones was there, but he and he caught a touchdown, but he's unreliable because of his his injury history. And same goes with Akeem Hicks on the defensive side because he was supposed to be that uh, replacement to fill the void of Adamican Sue not being there, and he's not really been there either. He's not on the field, so that's another just issue with your with your run defense. Yeah, and I mean hats off to the the, the Buccaneers secondary. They are depleted in the secondary. You had Sean Murphy bunting out. You had Carlton Davis out. Those are your top two corners, or Sean Murphy plays more of like the nickel. Um, but then you had Antoine Winfield out. Um, you have Logan Ryan out and Logan Ryan is a big IQ guy. I mean, his, his knowledge of football and his kind of, um, you know, play assessment, how he can just kind of really know the offense, you know, at the line of scrimmage, um, kind of seeing it from, you know, back there in the safety position is, is definitely up there as one of the best in the league, but he's out on injury. So, I mean, you're really looking at a really depleted secondary and the secondary played well. They they played well against the Baltimore Ravens. Now, you know, Mark Andrews, he started getting going there early on. Who's to say what would have happened um, if, if he, you know, stayed healthy? But it didn't matter because Isaiah, Isaiah likely came in and lit us up. Lit lit us up six yards, 77 uh, or six catches for 77 yards and a touchdown to, to pair with that. And I mean, he made some big plays. He made some big first down plays to kind of keep the ball going. But I mean, overall, the secondary didn't play bad in the first half. But once they started getting that run game going, it was over that that defense was tired. They couldn't they couldn't stop the run. And then they were able to do a lot of play action. They started bringing a lot of motion in with, you know, different different receivers and running backs there in the backfield with Lamar Jackson, really confusing the, the defensive line on what which holds to plug up and, you know, where to go because Lamar Jackson is a threat. I mean, you cannot allow him to get out into the open field because he'll outrun 98% of the players that are on, on your defense. Um, so, I mean, Devin White, I mean, he's probably our fastest guy. And there was a play where I mean he was, he was moving. I mean you could tell, but and Lamar just kind of ran past him, you know. Um, so and, and Devin White did not have a good game. Devin White got pushed around a lot in that game. I've been hearing a lot of noise about you know how Devin White needs to be traded or needs to be released or whatever the case may be. I've never been on that side. I've always felt like he's been really good with Levante David there in the middle of the field. Um, he makes big plays for us. He was the NFC defensive player of the month at the beginning of the year. So I don't, I don't really know where all the noise from noises from. I know that he had a bad game. Everyone's going to have a bad game though. If you're in the NFL for any extended amount of time, but I, I just, I don't know. And then when you look at the post game, you, you know, you look at the post game conference, Todd Bowles just seems like an idiot, honestly. Like I, I hate to say it and that's, you know, but really, I mean, you're looking at a, a coach with just no passion, no care. It just doesn't seem like the team is buying into him. And it doesn't seem like he has the team. He says all of the cliche stuff all of the time. And, you know, coming from 
coming from a, a coach with Bruce Arians, we got real. He was real with the with the media. He was very real with the media, and I'm sure that he was even more real with his players. And it just doesn't seem like Todd Bowles, he says the same thing every single week. Well, we just didn't execute. That's part of life. This is life. Hey, are we going to dig ourselves out? It's dark. It's dark in Tampa right now, but this is the darkest that I can get. So, you know, you really... This this goes to show, you know, what kind of character you have. And it's just on repeat. You put all of those little one-line cliches, you know, that any head coach can say to their team, and you just stick them on a, on, on a tape and just repeat it every single week because that's what he says. Tom Brady, obviously frustrated after the game. I mean, he listed off everything that has been going wrong. And, I mean, everything. It was like he was just sitting there. And one thing after another just kept coming to him. He was like, can't convert on short yardage. Can't, you know, can't execute on, you know, on in the red zone. Can't get the run game going. Can't get the pass game going. Bad protection. Well, first, you know, we get off to a slow start in the first quarter. We get off to a slow start in the third quarter. You know, and so it's like all of these things just started coming in. And it was just, he just listed them all out. Now, I know that Tom Brady has a lot going on in his personal life. I can't even imagine. He did make the announcement a couple of days ago that him and Giselle have officially filed for divorce. So the divorce is going through. Both of them made it public on their Instagram stories. We do have to address it. It is something that is just out there in the media. But he asks for privacy. And honestly, well, just do that. If, if, if you're in the media, I understand your job is to, you know... Get all the get all the stories, make the headlines, you know, get get those get those views, get those clicks, whatever you whatever you want to say. But this is someone's life, man. And like I understand, you know, people say, oh, well, this is what you sign up for, you know, when you're in the NFL and you're in the spotlight and everything else like that. And it's like, yes, it is. I would agree with that. But at the same time, can we not show a little bit of respect on RN? Like the people, some of the people on Twitter, some of the posts that I was looking at, it's just like, come on, man. Like this is someone's life. These are, this is someone's family that is literally falling apart. You know, they were married for 13 years. They have kids together and it, they, they are deciding to separate. And so, yes, will they both do okay? Probably. I'm, I don't think financial issues are the worry but think of their kids this is their mom this is their dad this isn't tom brady or digel to them this is their mom and dad that these are the people who are raising them these are the people who they look up to these are the people who they learn things from and now they're old enough i'm sure that they're seeing all of this stuff on social media and you know on the news and everything else like that and it's just like can you imagine the toll that it takes on you know the 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 10 year old or the eight, you know i don't know how old his kids are but you know can you imagine that you know i have kids you know and i i couldn't imagine one the the stress that happens during a divorce for kids i've always heard is very great you know, my parents, they got divorced and, but I don't really remember it. Like, and they were always, I was always there. Like they, they, there was never like, we never went to like a court, you know, or anything like that. They just kind of agreed to, Hey, this is it. You know, we're, we're just going to separate, but let's, let's keep the kids involved in both of our lives. And I felt like that they did a good job at that. You know, we just had our routine 
And so, but I mean, I've heard that, you know, I mean, not all divorces are cordial like that. Not all divorces, you know, happen like that. It can be really, really messy. Now, we don't know the details about this, but come on, like, this is a family, like, just let it go. Like, mind your business. I did actually, I don't know who did, I think it was Josh Palmer, who uh, tweeted out, and he just simply said, to be honest, it's none of our damn business. And I retweeted that, and I quote tweeted it, and I just replied, yep, because it isn't. It's none of our business. They're getting a divorce. That's all you need to know. But to go back to football, we've never seen a Tom Brady like that. And it's again, it's not like he's playing bad. He's not playing bad. But he you can just tell there's something going on. And what's crazy is that during the Thursday night game, I know I'm talking a lot here, Anthony, but I just got to kind of get all of this off of my chest because it's just been bothering me on Thursday night. You know, the, the infamous Tom Brady pose on the sideline. Yeah, you know, yeah. Where where he's on the bench and he has his head down, you know, and it's usually when they're down in a game. It's usually when the team isn't doing so well, right? Mm -hmm. So Thursday night, they were up 10 to 3. And they were playing good. They were playing good football in the first half. So it's not like there was anything bad. They were playing good football. I saw Tom Brady over on the sideline. I saw him with the tablet. I saw him talking with... <clears throat> Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Byron Leftwich. And, you know, they, it just seemed like there was a flow. It seemed like there was some life with that team. It was about midway through the second quarter. They were still up 10 to three and they were still playing good football. I think they ended up having a turnover on downs and the camera goes and pans over to Tom Brady and he's in that position. He's on the bench by himself, hat on, you know, and just, you know, elbows on knees with his head down. And to me, I saw that on Thursday night and I said, something ain't right, man. Something's not right. And it isn't. The very next day, he, he has to come public with his, his divorce. So he's having to do that. And on top of that, he's having to still make sure that he's doing the game film and everything else like that. And, you know, it's like, it just, it's sad. It, it honestly, it, it just, it, it's, it really sucks to see. Because you look at Tom Brady and his great career for the last 23 years, he's been the quarterback of the NFL, the guy, the one to beat. Everyone hated him. You know, he was kind of the villain of the NFL that always won. And he comes back for his 23rd year. And, you know, after a heartbreaking loss in Tampa in the divisional round against the Rams, when it looked like he was about to do another 28 to three against the Rams, it looked like they were about to do a comeback against the Rams. And then they didn't. They, they ended up losing the game. A, few, a couple months later or a few weeks later, he announces his retirement. That's how Tom Brady's going to go out. But then about two months after that, or actually about like a month after that, he came out and said, there's unfinished business. Let's go. And everyone was like, okay, Tom's about to do it one more time. The great Tom Brady is about to do it one more time. 
And now they're sitting at week eight or week. Yeah, this is week eight and they're three and five. And there's really, it doesn't look like there's any fix. It just doesn't look like there's any fix. And I don't know, you know, what what are they going to do? I don't know because I really don't know what the fix is outside of getting the run game going. But it's going to be hard when you don't have Ryan Jensen. It's going to be hard after you lost Ali Mar- Marpet, a, a Pro Bowl left guard. You know, and now <clears throat> you have, you know, you don't have Sue on the defensive side to line up next to Vita Vea. And you have an injured Akeem Hicks. And so you, you, you marry those two together and you just have an issue with the run game on both sides of the ball. And we're seeing it week in and week out. They can't stop the run and they can't run the ball. And when you can't do that, you're not going to win in the NFL. You're just not going to win in the NFL, Anthony. I mean, yeah, plain and simple. It comes down to just execution, staying healthy. And even at the at the very beginning of it, just having that team chemistry. And when you have a major piece on your team and Tom Brady dealing with dealing with things outside of his, his work life that are far beyond what any of us could imagine what he's, what he's going through with that just emotionally and everything. It's hard to put that away. Even when you're like, all right, I'm, I'm at work time to do my job. You you think about those things. It's in the back of your mind. It's not going to, it's not going to go away. Like, so, yeah. So, to, so in this time to expect that out of, out of Brady, uh, I don't, I, I wouldn't, but it is a, it is also a business. So it would, it's, it's a, it's a touchy situation. Yeah. And I mean, look, don't get me wrong. I mean, hey, your job is still to be the quarterback of the Buccaneers, your job is still to lead your team two wins and ultimately to a Super Bowl. And if anyone understands that, it's Tom Brady. It's just, it sucks to see that this is the way that the season is going because none of us would have expected it. Not, no one would have expected it. You know, there, there, there are your teams out there that you knew were good that, you know, okay, yeah, they look good. You know, they, they could definitely make a push and those teams are doing it. I mean, the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs, I mean, flip a coin on who wins that game, honestly. <laughs> no pun intended. Sorry, Josh Allen. I know it's still <laughs> probably pretty fresh. But, you know, I mean, it, seriously, I mean, those two teams are just absolute juggernauts in the AFC. You know, d- don't don't look over the Ravens. Don't look over the Bengals. You know, you have you have those other teams in the AFC. And then you have the surprise teams in the AFC, like the Jets. Who would have thought that the Jets are looking at, you know, first place in the AFC East? Well, not first place because of the Bills. But I mean they're 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 making a they're they're making their presence felt in the NFL. You know, so I mean it's just it, it really just sucks as from a from a fan of the NFL, not just from a fan of a fan of Tampa. Look, at the end of the day, and I think I can echo a lot of the true Tampa fans. The, the true Tampa fans, not the fans that, you know, we, we were starting to see come out. True Tampa fans are forever going to be grateful for what Brady did. He came here. 
He won the Super Bowl with Tampa. He made history with it. You know, I understand that the Rams came back the next year and repeated it, but Tom Brady had the Buccaneers as the first team in NFL history to host a Super Bowl and to win a Super Bowl or and to, and to play in a Super Bowl and to win a Super Bowl all in your stadium. He was the first guy to do that, and he did it for the Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan base and the team. So I'm forever grateful for what Tom Brady is going through. But as a just a genuine NFL fan, it sucks to see one of the grace, greats if not the greatest, looks like he's going out bad, just not good. Yeah, because I think everybody expected the the Buccaneers to come into the season, make a really deep playoff push, possibly win the Super Bowl, and Tom Brady rides off into the sunset. But even if that were to happen... There, there's right now. There's going to be that, that that little. Uh, I don't want to say blemish on it, but you get what I'm trying to say. Like there, there's the people are going to talk. They're going to overshadow the, the Super Bowl with, oh, he's, he got divorced. Like it's, it's. I, I feel like that's yeah. going to be that's going to continue to be talked it. about. And that, and that's that's honestly the the worst part about it is that. Even if they they they're on a little bit of a of a mini bye week, they they got ten days before they they play the Los Angeles Rams. It's another home game, you know. The Rams aren't looking that great. It can be another turnaround game for us, but we've had two back to back, you know, or actually technically three back to back when we played the Atlanta Falcons, and you know, or I'm. Three weeks ago, mm-hmm. and so that was supposed to be the turnaround game. And then we lost against Pittsburgh, and then we, okay, the turnaround game is definitely going to be against the Carolina Panthers. And then we lost to the Carolina Panthers. We got blown out by the Carolina Panthers. And then it's just like, okay, well, if they have a turnaround game, it's going to be against a team that really matters. This is going to be it. Well, now we and then we and then it looked good. It looked it looked like we they were going to do it, and then they just lost. They just lost. At the end of the day, they just lost. Penalties hurt them, you know, and they just looked. They, they lost. And so now we have another turnaround game in our sights. But if they don't turn it around within the next two weeks, I I don't know. It's going to be hard. It's going to be really hard to make a playoff with, with a record with, you know, seven or eight losses on it. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, we've seen teams do it before, but – it's all going to depend on what happens in this back half of the season with the rest of your division. Yeah. Cause I think now, cause I, I, I honestly, I don't see new Orleans making a push for the division because Michael Thomas can't stay healthy. Jarvis Landry can't, it hasn't been healthy. Jameis Winston isn't playing. They're relying. Well, James, so- Winston is, <laughs> James Winston is actually playing like James Winston. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we he's starting to real he's, he's starting to rear his ugly head with the um interceptions and all that good stuff with James Winston and what comes with it. But to jump into some other games that we uh yeah. kind of wanted to we have the uh the New York Football Giants and the Seattle Seahawks, both uh two surprising teams. 
trying to make a strong push in their division. And yeah. I, I honestly, I, it's a coin toss to me who wins this one. Seattle sitting at four and three, New York sitting at six and one now. Uh, that's probably the most surprising thing to me right now. But they have, they both have legit teams with very good coaching. Mm-hmm. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, if I, if I had to make a bet on it, I'm gonna say New York wins, uh, wins it in Seattle. Okay. Do you have it being like a close game, or do you have it being like a, a one-sided kind of affair? I would say it's pro- it's probably going to be a close game, just because both sides do have some pretty. I would say when you look at their offenses, they have that one that one guy that can make a difference. And I would say in Seattle, they got themselves a a gem in Kenneth Walker, and they Fair. also have Tyler Lockett. And then you look at the New York Giants and. Saquon Barkley can pretty much do everything on the football field. So it's a coin toss. (laughs) It is a coin toss. I'm actually going to go with Seattle. I think that Seattle, that fan base, I mean, they come alive, you know, in Seattle and they get loud. And I just, I don't know. I'm I'm giving the home field advantage to Seattle. It's going to be, I think it's just going to be what running back performs better. No, no knock on, you know, Daniel Jones or Geno Smith. But is Saquon Barkley going to run better or is Kenneth Walker going to run better? And I think I think Walker is just on a hot streak right now. And them going into Los Angeles last week and beating the Chargers pretty handedly. Yeah, I'm I'm just I'm I'm going to go I think that they're going to carry that into Seattle. The fans are going to show up. And Kenneth Walker is going to have another good game. Now, I think it's going to come down to maybe a couple. Whoever whoever wins the turnover battle probably will win this, which I know is a very, you know, kind of normal thing to say, because if, if you don't turn the ball over, you give yourselves a chance to win. But I think it's going to come down to maybe one or two possessions. And I'm gonna give I'm gonna give the favor to Seattle. I, I like I like what they're doing there in Seattle. And if you think about it, if Seattle wins they can really start to separate themselves from the rest of the NFC West because the 49ers and the Rams play, they're both sitting at three wins, you know, so one of them is going to move to a a fourth win, but which one is it going to be? So if Seattle can win and put themselves at five and three, they can still put themselves comfortably in the lead in the NFC West. And I think, you know, that that's what, I mean, obviously that's what every team wants to do. Um, is you know win the division first. That's that's their first goal. Win the division, secure a playoff spot, you know. And so, I don't know, man. I, I, I I'm gonna. I like what Seattle's doing. I, I like it. I I like what Geno Smith is doing. I like that he's you know finally starting to come on. I know that he had his career that started with the New York Jets, and it didn't go as as you know anyone thought, and um. You know, so I, I like it. I, I like what they're doing. And, you know, not to say that I don't like what, you know, Doug or not to say um, who, what, uh, Brian what's Dable. the head coach? Brian Dable. Brian Dable. I can never remember that guy's head. But I like <laughs> what he's doing there in New York. Um, You know, I mean, six and one is a very, I mean, that's a very respectable record, especially when it was, we were thinking that it was going to be the opposite. We were thinking that uh, they might be one in six, <laughs> you know. So, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, but I'm gonna give the I'm gonna give the game to Seattle in this one. I'm gonna give them the home field advantage. Um, definitely gonna be one to watch. Another game to watch is let's stick in the NFC West: 49ers and Rams. Like I said, 49ers are three and four. Rams are three and three. So they're both in a kind of a a must win must win situation, especially if the Seahawks win. So if the Seahawks win. The Rams and the 49ers are going, okay, we got to go now because Seattle isn't stopping, you know? And so I don't know who's going to win this game, honestly. Uh, I mean, they always play each other so well. And Sean, you know, Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan, those two, when, when they have to coach up against each other, it's always a beautiful thing to watch because of all the different things that they write up. It's in Los Angeles. I know that the 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 49ers defense is still pretty banged up, right? Yeah, I think they're still pretty banged up and then the the two things that I'm I'm going to kind of be looking out for with each team is one thing that I think people are sleeping on with the with the Rams this week is they got Van Jefferson back in the lineup. Oh, they do. They got Van Jefferson. So now I think that that might help them open up the the passing game a little bit more. Maybe not not have to force feed Cooper Cup to move them down the field every play because uh, I know Van Jefferson played a pretty pivotal role in last year's uh, season and just run to the Super Bowl in general for them. So it's going to be nice to see him and Christian McCaffrey getting more acclimated with the 49ers offense and how um, they use him. And we kind of we kind of guessed how they were going to use them and they, and they already showed how they were going to use them and putting Debo in the backfield, lining up uh Christian McCaffrey out in the slot and just finding different ways to get him the football because he's such a dynamic playmaker, but I'm going to give this game to the 49ers. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to have to go against you one more time. I'm going to give it to the home team. I'm going to give it to the Rams. And for one reason only, I think that the Rams or the, the Rams offense is going to be better than the Rams defense. I think that because the defense of the 49ers is banged up so much, you know, I mean, Nick losing Nick Bosa, first of all, was, was a big loss. So, I mean, that that's always a big loss, but you know, I don't know. Is, is Fred Warner back? Do we I know? Be I believe but I believe he is. And I, I want to say they just got um they got they got one of their corners back too. I know that. I forget if Jason Verrett. They got Jason Verrett back. Oh. Man, I don't know. And, uh, and this one is in, this one's in LA. The, this one's in LA. Because and we saw them play before, um, in uh, San Francisco, and you got to remember. And they also, oh, they're also bringing back Trent Williams for the 49ers, too. So Kittle's going to be more involved in the passing game because he kind of had to sit back and block the last time they played. So I, I just think the Niners are going to be a little bit more dynamic and. I don't know. My gut says 49ers this week. You know, I'll, you, you convinced me. 
I'm going to go with the 49ers. 49ers win in Los Angeles against the Rams. Final score, I'm going to say 20 to 13. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I don't know if there's going to be a lot of touchdowns. I'm going to say uh, 28 to 20 uh, Niners. 28-20. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to another divisional game that we kind of touched base on a little bit earlier. Panthers, Falcons. Panthers, two and five. Falcons, three and four. With the Tampa Bay loss on Thursday night, moving them to three and five for the year. Whoever wins this matchup is first place in the division. Um, So if Panthers win, they'll be at three and five. It'll be a three way tie for first place (laughs) when the NFC South of the Panthers (laughs) win this game, and they'll be at three and five. But because they obviously beat the Bucks last week, and now they would, if they advance to three and five, they would have beaten the Falcons this week. So that puts them atop the NFC division, you know, to kind of break that tie. Um, so, but if the Falcons win, they move to four and four, and they will be leading the division. The NFC South is the new NFC East. And so, I mean, don't adjust your televisions quite yet, folks, because um, it is wide open. And I don't, but I don't think that the Panthers are going to win. I I think that last week, I mean, look, you're you just played a bad Tampa team. I mean, we're all seeing it now. It wasn't any. It, it wasn't like you beat someone big. You know, no offense. I mean, they're they're. Tampa is a heck of a lot more talented on paper than the Panthers, especially after losing Christian McCaffrey. I don't know, man, but I like Arthur Smith. I like what he's doing in Atlanta. I've already kind of said, you know, my two cents about what I see the Atlanta Falcons doing this this season. And um, I, I give I give the Falcons the win, especially because it is in Atlanta. I think that they're going to win. I think that it's going to be a pretty, you know, pretty one-sided affair. So I'm going to give the Atlanta the Falcons the win. I'm going to say 27 to 10. Yeah, uh, I would have to agree. Um I I want to I want to say it was I really want to say it was almost a fluke for the for the Panthers to win last week because your your secondary was still banged up the offense wasn't playing up to Tampa's standard of what they're used to and they haven't been with, with their offense and the way Art like you said the way Arthur Smith has these guys coached up. And the way he's he's got guys like Marcus Mariota looking like good quarterbacks out there, so he's got to be doing something right. <laughs> so the way and the way they're playing is just it's it's great. And you got Kyle Pitts, who if they can get him a little bit more involved, it would make them that much more of a lethal team. And I, I just don't understand why they're not implementing him more into the game plan, honestly. But they they don't have because they have like no weapons. Yeah, outside of Kyle Pitts. (laughs) Yeah, he is the like the clear cut superstar on the offense, and he's getting like three catches a game (laughs) and one (laughs) touchdown a season. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Because when you when you run down the list, even on on offense and on defense, it's like like what Grady Jarrett, maybe like. They they don't have a ton going for them. I mean, it's all he does is rough the passer, so who cares? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they they, they got to do the they got to do the whole Kevin Hart bit with the 
on right. TNT. <laughs> Lay me down, <laughs> let's Jelly. Get, <laughs> let's get let's get him the let's get him the pillow. Let's get him the blanket. Let's let's tuck him in real night. No, but uh, I don't want to go on a tangent with that. But <laughs> but they they seem to ha- the the Falcons seem to be like the direct opposite of what Tampa Bay is right now. Tampa Bay has all the all the the talent on paper and none of the coaching. Atlanta has all the coaching, but almost none of the talent on paper. So if you put Atlanta Falcons coaching staff in Tampa, where do you think our record is? I I would say if Arthur Smith could could coach up the the Buccaneers like he's coaching up the the Atlanta Falcons right now, I would say y'all might only have maybe two or three losses. I would say I, I would say your losses might be cut in half with what he's working with over there. So I I'm just impressed with what he's doing. Yeah, he's playing well. He's definitely playing well, or or not playing well, but coaching, coaching. well there in Atlanta. And um, yeah, I man, Falcons they scare me, man. Which is really weird to say. Yeah, because we wanted to completely write them off because of completely. what we saw on paper. On paper, completely write them off. Yeah, and same with the uh, Seahawks too. But you know it makes me really realize that, you know, coaching, coaching matters in this league. Oh and, yeah. And you can't, you can't over cite that. And then the, and this season is the prime example of why that is. Yeah. I mean, you, you get a good coaching staff and you get, you know, the players to buy into it. Look out. I mean, because everyone at, at this level is talented, you know, um, the separation is pretty slim as far as talent but when you get when you get under you know in, inside the brain of some of these coaches that's when you really start to see the, the the talent of these players go to the next level to kind of start separating themselves from the pack and um arthur smith with not a lot of talent <laughs> on paper <laughs> he is doing the right thing there in atlanta and i think that they'll they'll be patient with him i think that they will allow him to build and I think that the Atlanta Falcons are going to be a really, a really tough team to beat within the next couple of years. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't see them going away any soon. I see that the, I see the ownership in Atlanta there to be patient with, uh, with you know Arthur, and um, they, they just go on a, they just go on a solid little run. But we're gonna be wrapping up this episode. But before we do, it is that time once again, my friends. Anthony, you know what time it is. We got our Fan Mail Friday in. Is that what it is? It is Fan Mail Friday. And so we are going to be reading our Fan Mail today. We're going to be discussing what you guys want us to discuss, answering your questions, and just enjoying the camaraderie that we're building here in the DNA football community. So first question is from our good friend, Glenn. He says, David and Anthony, what are your division and conference winner predictions? Now, I know that we had the predictions in the offseason where we kind of ran through each division week by week to kind of play out our predictions. But now that we're halfway through the season, who do you, what do you got? I would say, um, I, I want to start with the NFC North because, you know, my Packers. 
but I, I got to give it to the Minnesota Vikings this year because I, I don't see much like your Tampa Bay Buccaneers, my Green Bay Packers turning it around whatsoever. <laughs> Especially and Vikings are night. looking good, man. Yeah, and with, with this Sunday night matchup, I, I feel like that this is going to be the tale of the season right here uh, on Sunday night football against the Bills. If, if we go out there and we show no sign of any life, I, I don't, I don't give us much of a of a shot. Even with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, I don't. We have too many holes on in the receiving core, and and our our defense is falling to the same problems that you guys are having, where they just the offense isn't producing, so the defense has to stay on the field a lot longer than they would have liked to. So I'm going to give it to uh, Minnesota there. And uh, I'm, I, I would assume that you agree with me in that statement. I do. I do. So let's break it down this way. You take the NFC teams. I'll take the AFC team. So in um, NFC North, you have the uh, Minnesota Vikings winning that, winning that division. Who do you got for the NFC East? I'm going to give it to the uh, Dallas Cowboys because the their defense is top three in the league right now. They're getting Dak Prescott back, and I don't I don't see them slowing down anytime soon. Now, granted, this is the Dallas Cowboys we're talking about, and they've been known to have some major blunders in the playoffs and in the back half of seasons. But this seems like a different football team Mike McCarthy is actually surprisingly doing a very good job with these guys over in over in Dallas so I, I I'm gonna take the Dallas Cowboys to win the division all right I want to uh because I, I know the and I know the Eagles are, are high right now and they're and they're they're doing their thing they're undefeated and the hats off to them for it but I I, I don't know I see the I see the Cowboys uh, coming out of this one on top Okay, South. In its current state, I've, it's the it's the 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 battle of the the mediocre teams in in the NFC. I would say it's probably probably the worst division in football outside of the AFC South. <laughs> so, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to Atlanta just because of the way that they're they're playing and their their consistency week in and week out I, I think they actually come out of this on, on top okay and then to wrap it up what about the NFC West so that's probably the tougher the tougher one because the we see the way Seattle's playing the 49ers they're a little bit banged up but they have the superior coaching staff uh, I, I honestly I would give it to I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to the 49ers because I think when they when they get healthy and get get back on their on their groove, I, I think they're gonna get hot at the right time and do just enough to take over that division. Okay, I like it. I like it. All right, I'm gonna start. What did you start with? The North, NFC North. Yeah. So for you, it'd be the AFC North. All right. So AFC North. Oof. Um. Man, you know what? 
I'm going to have to give it to the Bengals. I'm going to go with Cincinnati Bengals and AOC North. Here's why. Because it was between the it was between the Bengals and the Ravens. But after seeing the Ravens, I mean, at the end of the day, the Bucks' offense has just not been that great. And they looked pretty good against the, the Ravens' defense. Um, so I think that the Cincinnati Bengals' defense, they've been playing pretty well the last few weeks. Um, Joe Burrow has definitely been on fire. I mean, he was the pop-off player of the week last week for us. And so I think that he's now getting on a real, you know, stretch here. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with Jamar Chase out for the next month and a half or so. But I don't think that they lose too much momentum. And I think that they pull away there at the end of the season to make themselves back-to-back AFC North division champions. See, I'm going to – I am I would disagree with you, and I'm going to stick with my preseason prediction of the Baltimore Ravens just because it seems to be – uh, coming to fruition here, but yeah, I can see where you're coming from with them. But what about the uh, AFC East? Ah, uh, Bills. Yeah, that's. I mean, I come say. on. That should be it. That's yeah. Be, I Bills. Tried to make it that took it took me a minute because I had you know I'm I'm trying to get the teams in my head, but yeah, Bills, hundred percent. I'll I'll put money on it. Bills. Why? Because Bills. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> that there, that's why yeah. that. Do I need to explain anything else? Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs. Okay, nope, Von Miller. How about that? The Bills defense. Yeah. <laughs> Bills Bills coaching. We want to talk about that. Sean McDermott. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think literally I, I would say the only hole in that team, if you want to call it a hole, because I still think he's pretty good, is probably their running back situation. Singletary has been doing good this week but, or this but year. Singletary, but but. But that's that's only by comparison to the rest of the team, I would say, and may, maybe some and maybe get some more depth at receiver. But like they, they're it's so nitpicky with them that it's like, all right, we get it. <laughs> right. All right, you're good. We understand. Jeez, relax. <laughs> um, moving to the AFC South, you got the Jags, the Colts, Texans, uh, and all them down there. What's your prediction on oh, the Titans? Titans. I'm going to give it to the Titans. Why? Because they're the best team in that division, hands down, by far. Matt Ryan got benched um, in Indianapolis because he doesn't seem to be um, Matt Ryan anymore. Jaguars, they're not winning anything anytime soon. And then you have the Houston Texans, which aren't going to win anytime, anything anytime soon either. So I'm going to give it to the Tennessee Titans. Mike Vrabel, great coach. Um, better coach than any other coach in that in that division, um, and yeah, I mean he just they 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 buy in. That team buys into Mike Vrabel. They love him there, and uh, that that's why I'm going to do it. Because on on paper, what do they really have outside of Derrick Henry? Like who are their receivers? Who are their tight ends? I, you know they have Matt or Ryan Tannehill for the uh, quarterback, but I mean really outside of that, what do you have? You don't really have anything. So. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and go with Mike Vrabel and the Tennessee Titans for the AFC South winner. Yeah, I would I would probably probably I would probably agree with you. The only one who might give them a run for their money, I would say is probably Indianapolis. Just because I think they made the right move in benching Matt Ryan because he's been putting up numbers but they're typically like garbage time numbers because they're always playing without a lead and if they can get Jonathan Taylor rolling get the offensive line situation fixed 
They still have Pittman and Alec Pierce who are playing pretty well. Maybe they pick up. Maybe maybe they're the ones to pick up Odell, which I I don't I don't think they will be because he I could see him going to Buffalo still. Yeah, but when you when you look at it, I think I think yeah, right now I take the Titans, but I wouldn't count out the Colts just yet. No, I'm gonna count them out. Titans. <laughs> I'm gonna Sam count Ellinger, them out. Titans maybe, all the maybe, way. Maybe Sam Ellinger's like their new Andrew Luck. I don't know. He ain't he ain't he ain't Bailey Zappy. All right. <laughs> he's not Bailey Zappy. He's not he's he's not Titans, 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 Titans. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. What well, what about the uh, AFC West? It's a little bit Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs. I, I had the I had the Raiders uh winning that division in the offseason. They suck. Um the Chargers, they have no identity. Um the Broncos, give me a break. Yeah. Chiefs all the way. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes and the boys there, Andy Reid, better coaching, better quarterback, better better talent on paper. And um I mean they 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 the the Chiefs are the Chiefs, man. The Chiefs are the new Patriots. They're just they're just the Chiefs. That's what they are. It- did you get a, a chance to see um, the the video of Justin Tucker making fun of uh, uh, Russell Wilson? I did. That was awesome. <laughs> I absolutely did. That was so beautiful. Lamar was leading us in high knees over on the play and Ravens flock, let's fly. I'm like, Ravens flock, let's fly. <laughs> if Justin Tucker is not a first ballot Hall of Fame famer, uh come on. He's gotta be, right? Yeah, he he's the this is the same guy who he'll he'll kick a game winning field goal on Sunday and go do some opera in the middle of the week. Like he this guy the guy's amazing. Like he you don't see a lot of kickers who do make it into the Hall of Fame, but if if I'd like one to to get in, it'd be Justin Tucker. Yeah, absolutely. Him and Adam and Terry, they got to go into the Hall of Fame. They have to. I just just be with everything that they've done. They actually had for the Thursday night game, they they showed clips of Justin Tucker in pregame warmup kicking a 71-yard field goal and making it with with plenty of leg to 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 spare. Yeah, he was kicking it from the opposite 40 and yeah. drilling it. I'm like, "My the amount of leg power behind that and just because not only that not only power behind that but just the the technique and accuracy behind that too that's a it's just it's mind-blowing all right who would you rather get kicked by justin tucker or joe rogan Mm. (laughs) i i don't know (laughs) (laughs) that's a tough question that's a tough question because uh, like I said, Justin Tucker's got the accuracy, so if he wants to hit you somewhere, he might hit you somewhere, if you know what I'm saying. Joe Rogan <laughs> is accurate, though, too, with those kicks, man. I think I'll take Justin. I don't yeah, I don't think uh, I'll, I, I don't say, think I, I ever was, want to get kicked by Joe Rogan. Say, yeah, Justin. Give me Justin Tucker. Yeah. yeah. Maybe he'll kick. He might kick me 70 yards, but I, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, right. Maybe he'll sing to me afterwards. At least I'll get that. <laughs> he'll serenade he can, you after he kicks He'll you. do a little serenading <laughs> afterwards just to make me feel better. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, my goodness, man. Yeah, so those are our predictions. Appreciate your your, your uh, question, man. We, we love hearing from you guys. Um, 
All right, so we do have another one. We have a couple more here. Uh, I'm gonna go with Brad. Brad emailed us last week. Um, you know, great question last week with the whole Belichick Shula. Uh, this week, um, he he wants to know um, should the so should the Cincinnati Bengals be scared of the Cleveland Browns because they are playing on Halloween night? Are we seeing an upset? Are we seeing an upset in Ohio? Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, I mean, Cle- I mean, Cleveland. I don't know what Cleveland's identity as a football team really is because Amari Cooper has been. He's had spurts with the team. Jacoby Brissett is actually playing above the standard of what I thought he was going to be playing. So, and they and they're they're already looking to trade uh, Kareem Hunt because he wants out of Cleveland. So, I think even with Jamar Chase being out, it should be excuse me fairly easy for. Cincinnati to go in there and beat the Browns. Yeah, Brad, I don't think you got anything to worry about. I just actually chose them as my prediction for to win the AFC North. I think that they're on a hot streak. Yes, it does hurt that Jamar Chase is out, but I don't think that I I think Joe Burrow is gonna still rally the troops. I mean, you still got T. Higgins, you still got Tyler Boyd, you got Joe Mixon in the backfield, you still got pretty good weapons around you. And Joe Burrow is really starting to become that guy um, for that team. So, yeah, go ahead, get Brad. Don't don't be worried, man. Monday night, hey, enjoy, eat, eat your candy, you know, enjoy enjoy a, a good a good win for for your boys there in Cincinnati. <laughs> and, and remember, Brad, that when the uh, we when the Browns when they played the uh, when they played the Jets, they they gave up the um that miracle comeback at the end so i, I think if, even if the if the browns somehow do get out to a, a nice lead on you i wouldn't i wouldn't put it past you that they'd they'd give up something like that again so <laughs> yeah oh yeah so it might it might start scary brad but don't don't worry it's <laughs> don't, not don't gonna it's, it's not gonna it's not gonna finish that way it's okay we'll all be <laughs> we'll all be there for you brad and if they lose hey don't email us all right don't <laughs> don't, don't we don't want to hear it anymore we don't want to hear it brad all right we, we know worry, that you'll come at us then at that point so, you, so we'll be we'll be happy for you if your team wins so <laughs> right exactly um so all right final question now this is a question that man i just i i love it because it's I know this guy personally. He's a buddy of mine. He does listen to the podcast. <laughs> uh, Blake. Blake wants to ask us, Anthony. He goes, now that Tom Brady is the most sacked quarterback in the NFL, whose fault is it? Is it Brady or is it his offensive line? And to kind of add a like a, a second question in there, is it time for Joe Gilbert? And if you don't know who Joe Gilbert is, that is the Bucks' offensive uh, line coordinator. Um, is it time for old Gilbert to get sacked? Maybe you know once instead of Brady. I mean, maybe maybe he'll he'll know how it feels because Brady's been getting sacked for twenty three years. Maybe maybe he could he could use one, and then that'll kind of rally him to be like, you know, maybe I should be coaching line a little bit better <laughs> yeah hey wow man this sucks maybe i should be actually doing a little bit of a better job drawing up some schemes <laughs> man i now i know what you now wow now i know why you get so mad <laughs> i want to break a tablet <laughs> 
Oh man, yeah, no, I you know what? I look, it, it's I think it's a marriage of both. But I'm going to I'm going to go with Brady. I think it's Brady's fault that he's been sacked that many times because let's 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 look at it, man. You know, you, you do all the right things, you take care of your body and everything else like that, but you don't work on your speed, you don't work on your agility, man. Come on. Like move a little bit in the pocket, you know? That man that man probably hasn't been mobile since high school. That guy runs in slow motion all the time. Like I, I would love to see like if there's like like high school clips of, of, of Brady like scrambling out of the pocket just to see if how how much faster he actually was in high school. Like <laughs> Oh my gosh. All right, me or Brady in a race, who do you got? I'm still taking Brady. <laughs> oh come on. Come on. I'm not that slow. <laughs> Oh. I don't know, man. I don't know. I think I think you got to work on your speed before you're taking on any NFL athlete, regardless of their age. But if it's anyone, I could beat Tom Brady. Look, man. Like, like I know, I know, like Vince Wolfork or anybody like that would probably beat you in a race. Still, like, okay. Listen, the disrespect with that last look, statement. Look, 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 they they ran like like low five second forties, even for 300 pound linemen, you're not beating them in a race. Like All right. You know what? Yeah. Hey, how about this? I want to hear from one of our listeners that knows me very well because he went through uh, the Academy with me when, when I went through the Academy back in the day, Glenn, I am not that slow. I know that I was the slowest in the class, but I am not that slow. I would beat Tom Brady. I would beat Tom Brady. All right. Tom Brady or Peyton Manning. Which one wins in a race? I mean, like Peyton Manning in college was actually pretty mobile. So if we're taking prime, prime like prime Peyton Manning, I'm I'm going to take Peyton. But uh, neck injury Broncos, Broncos Peyton Manning. Uh, I don't know. He 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 might he might be running alongside you and just Omahaing you to death, and you might just get sick of it and still and just be like, you know what, you win. Like. So you're saying that I'm as fast as a crippled Peyton Manning? If not slower, I don't know. Oh my gosh, the disrespect! <laughs> I'm so I listen. I don't. I don't deserve this, man. I don't. Des I'm not that slow. I. You know what we should do to have a little bit of fun. You know what we should do to have a little bit of fun. And do some some leg get get some leg workouts in. Oh no, sprints on the treadmill. Like oh, dude, I'm gonna work on it. And then you know what we'll do. We'll do the run rich run and we'll we'll post my 40 on our social medias next year for run rich one and then that way we can do it for a charity event. Okay. And if you uh, it, I'll be I would say if you can get under if you if you can get under like a like a 7 second 40 I'd, I'd be What? Rich got under 6 one year. So you're telling me that I'm slower than Rich Eisen? <laughs> what the Heck, <laughs> I'm done. Nope, I've been disrespected too much this week. I'm so over it. That's the show. We hope your team wins on Sunday. We hope your team wins, Brad, on Monday. Guys, we thank you for the emails. We appreciate the love. We appreciate the questions. Continue to send them in. It's too much fun for us. But on all of that, I will say we are signing off. And I'm faster than Tom Brady. I'm going to end it at that. All right, everyone. Have a good week.